His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed. Good morning. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship this morning. And if you're watching online, we just say hello to you and welcome to you. Thanks for joining in and tuning in. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you have made us free indeed. And Lord, we, we celebrate our freedom today. And we give you all the glory and all the praise for you are worthy, Lord. We look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith and our freedom. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Stand together. Are you ready to worship?
worship you for that freedom this morning. Come on. Let's give him direct worship from us to him. Oh, we're not just talking about you, God. But we're talking to you this morning. We're declaring that freedom only comes from you. True freedom comes from you, oh God. And we worship you in this house. We worship you in this house. Oh, we worship the living God in this place. Come on. Let him hear your voice worshiping him directly. From this place today, Jesus, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the grace that you purchased for us. We thank you for the access that you've given us to the throne room. That we can come back in fellowship with the Father. That we can have unbroken fellowship with our Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, that we can come to you boldly. That we can worship you in this house. That you are the God of freedom. That you are the only one that can set captives free. And we worship you in this place, oh God. Because you are the great I am. You are God Almighty and there is none like you.
there is nothing like your presence. And we just love your presence, Lord. Because there's so many good things in your presence. And Lord, we thank you that because you are here with us right in our midst, you also speak to us, Lord, and we listen. are my hands your mouth is my mouth I have given you authority and power to go forth and do what I did but greater works shall you do because I left the earth but I gave my investment to you so take and take what I've given you use it Put it to practice. It'll work for you just like it worked for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Well, before you do, just go ahead and greet someone. Say hello. Hallelujah as the team transitions. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, it's it's a new quarter and we're going to have a new confession. Our confession is about love. Hallelujah. All right, it's confession time. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> want you to, uh, I would invite everybody to, let's say our confession together. By, By faith, faith, I, I choose, choose to walk and live in love. God, God is love, and we live for him and walk with him. him. We, we welcome and receive God's perfect love, and we are fearless. Love is having God's nature within us. Love is God's adhesive power that binds us together. Love is the fruit that recreated the human spirit planted in our heart by God. Love is born of the Spirit of God. Love makes my faith work. Love is God in action. God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he acted. Jesus so loved that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. He chose to love me, he showed his love to me, and he gave his love to me. Love transforms our lives, our workplaces, and our homes. It makes life better. Our love abounds more and more and displays itself in greater depths 
in real knowledge and in practical insight. We have unfailing and fervent love for one another. We overlook unkindness and we unselfishly seek the best for others. Through God's love, we are more thoughtful, gentle, and tender. Our love never grows old and never wears out. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. So Josiah wanted me to share a revelation that he received. He didn't feel like he could share it. You should tell me what it is, though, again. You should come up and tell me, and I would say it. You want to come up and tell me, and I'll say it? So I'll be the mouthpiece here. We have a little Moses here. We've got to transform into <laughs> modern-day Moses. <laughs> so tell me again what it is. Uh, it's about the afterburn on a jet. So the afterburn on a jet. What happens to the afterburn on a jet? Well, it makes it go faster, and without it, it won't go as fast. So without the afterburn on a jet, the, the jet wouldn't go as fast. Everybody got that? Okay, so that translates to? To Jesus is the afterburner, so it'll make us go faster and stronger. Isn't that cool? Jesus is the afterburner, so he's the one that makes us go stronger and faster. And Yeah, good job, Josiah. See, you could say it. <laughs> That was awesome. Thank you, Josiah. Okay, announcements today in July. Tuesday is Air Force at 6 p.m. And Wednesday is Wednesday night refreshing at 6.30 p.m. And then Saturday is our New Generation Youth Breakfast at 9 a.m. Are you, are you tracking with me here? Okay. Okay, and then next Sunday, we are celebrating Dr. Fiona's birthday after service with Snack and Fellowship. Woohoo! <laughs> Giving you a heads up. And the new Shopify store, you find that on our website. Lots of shopping to do. Yeah, she's still celebrating, and she likes to shop. Woohoo! <laughs> and talking about shopping, there are a lot of new items at the... Um, Palazzo Creations, back there for Air Force. So check it out. We have a lot of new things for you. And the Kitchen Project, two ovens and one fridge. And I am excited to say that Air Force has given enough offerings for one so far. And we're, we're, we're tracking to do double-double. And we want free gifts with our purchases. Yeah. Favor of the Lord. So... We're excited for that, but we're also um, looking for the refrigerator, a vent, two ovens, and stage lights. Those are projects that are on the table right now for Air Force. I mean, for VCF. Hey, Air Force, we're just going to take care of it all. Come on. Yeah, this is something the Lord has been, um, keeps bringing up. The whole thing, we don't realize we have limits, but we think 
Oh, I've given to that once, twice, three times. You mean you're still asking to give, give, give? Yes, our whole life is giving, giving, giving. There's no limit. That's why we listen to Holy Spirit. He prompts us and God always gives. So we should always be giving. There's never an end to giving. So we are, we are bringing this before our Air Force that it doesn't matter that I brought this up every week. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing it up. And when this project's done, I, we're going to see, ask the Lord, what else do you have for us to give? Because we're always giving because giving multiplies and produces more life and blesses more people and brings the generous nature of God before people and gives us the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. So don't see these projects as work. See them as opportunities to grow and to bless. Amen. I was listening to a person yesterday by the name of James Payne, and he had a bag of seed. And uh, it was a little bag of seed, but it was um, the sequoia redwood seed. And that little seed becomes a tree that's 27 feet tall and 35 feet wide. Actually, maybe taller than 27 feet, obviously. But uh, 27 stories, I think he said, they can grow. Yeah. So one seed can produce a tree with 35 feet wide and 27 stories tall. That's the power of a seed. Amen? And uh, every time that you give your tithes, your offerings, whatever, that's a seed, and God guarantees the seed. Amen? So before I dismiss the kids this morning and pray over the offering, I just wanted to read something to you about 4th of July. You know, we're celebrating the nation's birthday, and uh, this is just a reminder of what it is. Also called Independence Day, it is a public holiday in the United States of America that commemorates the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. You, you need to declare yourself independent today from the world system, from Satan's work, amen, but not independent from God. It was declared the original colonies to be free from British rule. Um, The Second Continental Congress, which was formed after the start of the American Revolution in 1775, they voted to declare their independence on July 2nd, but the Declaration of Independence, the document largely authored uh, by Thomas Jefferson explaining this vote, was adopted on July 4th. When the founding fathers actually signed the document, however, uh, remains disputed. Uh, American independence from British monarchy was secured in 1783, marking the end of the American Revolution. After the July 2nd vote, John Adams, he wrote to Abigail, his wife, and he said this, The second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epic in the history of of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts 
of devotion to God Almighty. I might be, uh, I ought to be uh, solemn, solemnized with uh, pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward and forevermore. <laughs> That's some funny talk there. And uh, here's a poem that uh, a guy by the name of uh, Steve Patterson wrote. It's an, it's an acronym for 4th of July. All right? Uh, freedom came with a price, the price of Christ's blood shed on the cross. Rely on God. He will show our paths. The truth is in God's word, the Bible, his holy book. Helping one another along the way, obedient to what God wants us to do. Father, creator, God is he. Jesus died for our sins. United one day, we believers will be in heaven. Love one another as Christ loves us. You are a special creation made from God, our heavenly father. So those are all the words of the 4th of July. Amen. Heavenly father. You know, in your giving, you can give any time during the service. If you're watching online, obviously, you can give through our website. Father, we just give you thanks and praise for the gifts and the givers. And, Lord, we thank you. What a joy and an honor and a privilege it is to invest in your kingdom. I pronounce a blessing of increase, protection, provision, and prosperity on every gift and giver in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're so excited for our kids and their kids' life, living in faith every day. They're going to get more revelation. Amen. They're going to get more power. They're going to be more powerful. Amen. Our kids ought to be laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So kids, have a good class. Enjoy your time together. Hallelujah. And just to know that on July uh, 27th, we will not have our Wednesday night refreshing service since uh, 16 of us will be gone. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you love Jesus this morning? You know, God has done all that he has done to empower each and every one of us. We are empowered by God. We are authorized and deputized to use the name of Jesus. Every one of us. Everybody hold up your hands. I want you to know that these hands that are being held up, these are holy hands. You have the ability to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because you got resurrection power on the inside of you. Amen? But we have to do what God said. You know, I I heard another preacher say that ministers are responsible or they're held accountable for what they say, but believers are held accountable for what they hear. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to not let Satan gain an advantage over you. Because This is a weekend of freedom, right? When America declared their freedom from an oppressive rule 
and they made a declaration. They wrote it on paper, and it happened. Amen? God agreed with those people who spoke that on the earth. And yes, there was a war, but freedom broke out. Amen? And uh, Satan, on the other hand, he wants to oppress you. He wants to bind you. He wants to uh, enslave you. And we're not going to give him that advantage. We're not going to let him get an advantage over us. Amen? We have the ability to resist him. We can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil and nothing. Everybody say nothing. Shall any means hurt us. You, we don't have to be afraid of dealing with the devil or his works that he tries to do. Because he is always trying to gain an advantage over us. Hallelujah. So, we have a way out. You know, England was oppressing the colonists. And they had to get out from that oppression. And the way out was freedom. Amen? How how free did Jesus make us? Free indeed. Right? There's no question about it. And there's no question about the liberty that comes with the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Galatians, they were, they were wanting the people, they were wanting them to get back into Judaism, and they were, they were looking at their freedom, there's, there's no way you can be that free. And they wanted, you know, them to be bound by the law. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Now, I'm going to mention ways that Satan would try to take an advantage over you. Because the Bible, listen, you know, my job is to preach the gospel. Amen? How many know that there's power in the gospel? Gospel is good news. Whatever's in the Bible is the gospel. Amen? And uh, in Acts chapter 26, and uh, I want you to look at uh, verse uh, 15. Acts 26 and verse 15. This is Paul telling King Agrippa of the vision that he had and the assignment that he was given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, you know, he's telling the story and he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus responded, he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared unto you for this purpose. There was a purpose why Jesus appeared to Paul. To make you a minister and a witness both of these things which you have seen and of those things in which I will appear unto you. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. So, Jesus was delivering him from the Jews, and he was going to send Paul to the Gentiles. Paul, being a Jew, was sent to the Gentiles, okay? Why was he going to be sending him to the Gentiles? Verse 18 is the key. To open their eyes. I'm telling you, there's people that got their eyes closed. 
They're, they're living, walking, breathing in darkness. Their eyes need to be opened. Amen? So Paul was sent to open their eyes. Alright? Then he, and to turn them from darkness to light. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people around us that are living in darkness and they need to be turned to the light. Amen? Who's the light? The light is Jesus. We, you and I, need to turn people to Jesus. We have the power, the ability, and the capability, and we have all that we need to do it. But we have to do it. Everybody say, that means me. Okay? And then he said, and from the power of Satan unto God. There are people all around us that are bound by the power of Satan. But praise God, we got the keys. We got the keys to loose the chains and open the prison doors. Then he said, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. If someone's under the control of Satan, they don't know that they've been forgiven. So they need to be brought out and to say, hey, look, I got good news for you. You're forgiven. Amen? Amen. Didn't Jesus say, whom you forgive, I'll forgive? Who's, who's he talking about? He's talking about you and I. Amen? We've got we've to forgive people. Okay? And then he said, and inheritance among them which are sanctified. That's you and I. The sanctified ones are the saints. Did you know that you're a saint? Look, look at your neighbor and say, hey, you saint. You know, you don't have to die to be a saint. You have to accept Jesus to be a saint. Okay? By faith that is in me. Okay? So this is what Paul was saying. So there is a power of Satan that binds people who don't know who they are in Christ or they don't know what Christ has done for them. People who are not born again are bound by Satan. They are in his power, suppressed, oppressed, kept under, bound, hindered, whatever. Okay? So, some of the things that Satan does. He uses darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. I'm going to go through these scriptures rather quickly because I, I want to give you the keys to let him not take an advantage over you. Amen? But you got to know how he might take an advantage over you. Okay? So 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, uh, he said, Among the God of this world whom Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of the gospel. All right? So he blinds minds. Darkness is a tool of the enemy. He blinds minds, all right? Uh, Ephesians 2.1. Ephesians 2.1. There's a lot of uh, things in Ephesians here. Satan kills, separates, transgresses, sins, disobeys, and is fleshly. Okay? Ephesians 2.1. Uh, let me just read it from the King James here. Hallelujah. We're not going to let Satan take advantage over us. Ephesians 2, 1, and you have he, has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let me tell you something. Someone who is in trespasses and sins has never received Jesus Christ because they're bound by sin. The minute you receive Jesus Christ, sin's power is broken over you. 
You are free from the, the, the law of sin and death because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has come in your life. And that made you free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Instant freedom. I mean, Jesus comes in, every chain is broken, every prison is open. All right? Verse 2, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. That means you're very worldly. Uh, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying in general. According as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Okay? Satan, you, when, you, when we disobey God, we're partnering with Satan. Now, Satan can't be everywhere. He's not omnipresent, nor is he omniscient, nor is he omnipotent. He's been defeated by Jesus. Amen. But there are people that are still bound by him. But you and I have got the keys. We've got the means. We've got the declaration that sets them free. You and I do. We can do the works of Jesus. He didn't just reserve that. I'm going to show you in Ephesians here in, in a second. All right. Okay, so they work in disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh. How many has ever encountered barbed wire? You know, you could be wearing clothes, right? But when you, when barbed wire gets a hold of you, it doesn't let go. And if it gets a hold of your clothes, it can rip your clothes. Alright? Did you know that All Satan needs to use to work is what's already there. It's called our flesh. Satan looks for weaknesses or openings in our flesh that we are, we, we have, we haven't even, even, we haven't strengthened or we haven't built up or we just been lax, right? And, and Satan can, it's like, he's like a barbed wire. He, he finds that weakness and he grabs a hold of it and he begins to tear. But he's already using what's already there. Okay? Don't worry, it's going to get better. Alright? So let me just give you these quickly, because then we'll get to the thing that we need to get to, okay? Did you know that Satan fell from heaven? What a legacy. What happened to you? I got kicked out of heaven. I mean, he was in heaven, but yet he got kicked out. Jesus witnessed his fall. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Jesus was eating popcorn. And he was watching. You know, he saw Satan fall like and lightning is quick. He heard the thud. Jesus went like this. So, Satan is falling. He's fallen. You've been lifted up. You've been raised. He fell. You've been raised. Hallelujah. He fell because of pride. Why? Iniquity was found in his heart. So, his own iniquity became his downfall. You can read it in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 says, how have you fallen from heaven? Okay. All right. 
Satan is subtle, crafty, and skilled in deceit. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts. Satan needs a body to express himself. Okay? He'll use a pig. He'll use a serpent. And if he can, he'll use a human. But he can't with us. Amen? Say, he can't use me. Okay? So he's, he's subtle, crafty, skilled in deceit. Satan identified, he identified himself as a serpent, and that he, he kept that identity. In Revelation, he's called the great serpent. All right? And uh, according to Job uh, 1.12, uh, Satan accuses brethren. He is the accuser of the brethren. He accused Job before God. You have Job protected. I can't get to him. You know what God said? He's already in your hands. Why? Everything that Job had was material goods which are on this earth. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Right now, currently, he's on a short lease. Amen? His lease is coming to an end. But he has been given the right to operate by Adam who fell. Okay? So... Satan accuses and he torments. Who was it that smote Job with boils? It was Satan. And now people argue, well, God allowed it. Job allowed it. How did Job allow it? He gave in to fear. Fear was the, the piece of clothing that was caught on the barbed wire. Fear was what gave Satan an entrance to his stuff. Okay? In other words, Satan had a legal right to do what he did. Because according to the New Testament, we're we're not supposed to give him place. Okay? All right? And we know that who, who was the one who tempted Jesus? It was Satan. Right? He was in the wilderness. He, he tempted Jesus. If you're the son of man, make these stones into bread. And Jesus, how did Jesus resist temptation? He used the word of God. It is written. How can we resist temptation? We can do the same thing. We've been given the same ability, the same authority to use the word of God against the devil, and he can't do anything about it. we got to enforce the devil's defeat. Amen? He, he, in his mind, he doesn't think he's defeated, but he is because he's a liar. You know, the truth isn't in him. He can't tell the truth if his life depended on it. Okay? So Satan, he accuses, he tempts. Satan steals the word. Mark 4.15. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which has been sown. He, 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 he Why? He knows if that word gets a hold of you, it'll change your life. He knows if that word gets a hold of you, you can rule over him. So what he does is the minute the, the word is sown, Satan will try to take it. He will try to steal it so it doesn't take root and it doesn't grow and it doesn't become strong in you. He tries to get it before it's planted. The minute it's sown, the Bible says, he comes immediately to steal it. Why? He knows what it can do. 
Amen? He's a thief. Okay? Satan binds. We know from Luke 13, 6, that Satan bound a woman for 13 years with a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus noticed her bound condition, and it was Jesus who set her free. Hallelujah. Jesus said, or the Bible says about Jesus, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is a, a devil destroyer. He's a devil work destroyer. He's a, he's a devil defeater. Amen. He already defeated him. Okay. So Satan binds, Satan steals, Satan tempts, Satan sifts. Not sniffs, but sifts. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you. He wants to shake you so that you don't exist anymore. But I pray that your faith fail not. And when you return. See? Yeah, Satan tried to sift Peter. Peter denied Jesus, but Peter came back. Everybody say he came back. Amen? Listen. If you get knocked down, you're not out. You can get back up. Glory to God. How many, you know, when I was a a young boy, we had this toy called Weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. A Weeble was a little doll-like thing, but it had like an egg bottom. It was oval or round, and you could knock it over, but it would just go, just come right back up, right? It's like a buoy in the ocean. You know, those white buoys, you can press them down, but poof, they pop right up. It's like toast in the toaster. Poof, just pops right up. Amen? You were designed to pop up. Satan may try to put you down, but you were designed to pop right back up. He might push you down, but you will stand right back up. Hallelujah. Okay, so Satan sifts, binds, he blinds. Satan destroys 1 Corinthians 5, 5. Paul was saying, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit might be saved on the day of the Lord. So Satan destroys. All right. Satan rules the world system. Go to John chapter 12. I want you to read this one. John 12 and verse 3. John 12. And verse 3. Or no, that's not it. Um, 31, I'm sorry. John 12, 31. Hallelujah. Jesus is talking now. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who's he talking about? Prince of this world. In the world... The world system is run by demonic influence, by the devil. I'm I'm not going to say amen on that. So this is why God says when you're friends with the world, you're an enemy with God. Because someone who's running the world system is against God. We're not to be like the world. We're to change the world. How many world changers are right here in VCF? If you're a world changer, raise your hand. 
You've got the power, the ability, the authority to change the world. How do you change the world? You start right where you are. Start right where you are. Whatever, whatever sphere of influence you have, you start there. You just, you just upend the world system. You come in happy. You enter a room full of joy. You, you, you enter a room bubbling over with love. You come into a room loaded with power. You're stacked with ammo. First Peter, second John, third John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is my ammo. Amen? All right, Satan lies. Acts 5, 3. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Apparently, Ananias had concocted a scheme with his wife to keep back, but that wasn't the issue. They were presenting like they were giving it all. But in reality, they were keeping it back. Greed, covetousness, avarice, that's a barb that's going to catch you. And when that barb catches you, it's going to tear. Okay? Don't let that barb catch you. All right? Barb wire. Okay? Um, Romans 16, 7, Satan influences people, but he'll be crushed. Romans 16, 7. Let me read this from the King James. Listen to this one. Don't worry, it's going to get better. Romans sixteen seventeen. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine of which you have learned, and what? Avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Glory to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. How many know that grace is with us? Amen. Yeah, Satan will influence people, but he's going to be crushed. He's got a retirement at the lake of fire. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says to keep Satan from taking advantage over us, for we're not ignorant of his schemes. He will try to take advantage of you. He has a plan to take advantage. He has a scheme. And it's a trap. If we... Fall into it. But with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost helps us avoid the traps. Amen? The Word of God can see through those traps. It can, it can see through the disguise. Okay? So, he tries to take advantage. Second Corinthians 6.14, don't be yoked to Satan. Do not be unequally yoked together, Second Corinthians 6.14, with unbelievers. Doesn't mean we shouldn't fellowship with unbelievers, but it's talking about connecting. 
having being yoked together. You know, oxen were yoked together to plow the field. There was two oxen, right? They were yoked together. They couldn't go. This one couldn't go that direction. This one couldn't go this direction because they were yoked together, right? You can fellowship with unbelievers, but don't be yoked with them. Satan is the greatest unbeliever. Okay? Um, partner with faith, not unbelief. God doesn't support mismatched alliances. Do you remember the story of Ahab and Jehoshaphat? And uh, the prophet came in and said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even see you, Ahab. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty strong, strong right? Because that was a mismatched alliance. They were aligned by marriage. Jehoshaphat was considered a righteous king. Ahab a wicked king. But they were aligned together for political reasons. Okay? All right? Satan masquerades. He wears masks. He tries to hide his true identity. 2 Corinthians 11.13 He influences counterfeiters, deceitful workers... Marked bandits in order to deceive. Let me read this. Second, Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed or masquerades as an angel of light. Satan would, would never want to present who he really is. He, that's why he operates in deception. Okay? Jesus operates in truth. Right? We are, we are truth dealers. We deal in truth. Amen? We speak the truth to one another. Right? We deal in truth because Jesus is the truth. Satan is lawless. He doesn't abide by any law but his own, uh, his own way. Uh, Satan abuses and buffets. Satan hinders. Satan turns people from God and Satan is in error. Aren't you glad that part is done? Now I want to talk to you about a person before I give you the keys to overcome so that Satan won't give you an advantage. There was a disciple whom Jesus picked to be part of his team, his name was Judas. Judas looked to be like he was true, genuine, and for real. But he wasn't. And here he was, exposed to the word for probably at least three years or so. Right? He was, he was hearing the word. He was seeing the word. But he wasn't doing the word. He was not a doer of the word. How do we know? Because he was the one who ultimately betrayed Jesus. But how did he get to that point? What tools did he give Satan to use or to work with to bind him and get him to betray the master. All right? Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verses 2 to 6. 
I'm going to give you some insight. Then I'm going to tell you how to shut the door on the devil. How many want to shut the door on the devil? Man, we can shut it, stomp it closed, and lock it, and he can't get in. Amen? We can shut the door on the devil. We can prevent him from operating in us. See, pretend that this is a wounded lamb. You ever see lions in Africa? I like to watch National Geographic and lion shows. You know, they, they, they sit there in the tall grass and they're looking at the herd. And they're seeing the ones that are behind the pack, that are on their own. And it's the females normally that lead the attack, right? They're the gatherers of the lion. Every once in a while, the male will step in, but normally he doesn't. It's, it's the females that, that go after the prey, okay? And, and they'll crouch, you know, they get as close as they can, and then they'll pounce, right? See, the enemy, Satan, is like a roaring lion. He is seeking whom he may devour. He is looking, he is looking at us, and he is seeing, where is there a weakness? Where can I get in? Where can I manipulate? What can I use to my advantage? He is looking at you. He's looking for an opening. He's looking for a weakness. He's looking for a way in. That's what the Bible describes him as. Seeking whom the Bible says, whom he may. Everybody say, may. That means he has to have our permission to devour. He can't just come in and devour you. He's got, you've got to give him permission. The only way that Satan can operate in our lives is if we give him permission. Jesus didn't give him anything. Jesus stood his ground. Jesus resisted him with the word. All right, Luke 22. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him. Okay? Now we see Satan influencing a group of religious leaders. And they're looking for a way to kill an innocent man. A man who committed no sin. A man who represented God. A man who is the Messiah. They are looking for a way to kill. You think that's an opening for the devil? Oh boy, these, group, these people are looking for a way. I'm going to join with them. I'm going to side with them. I've got, a, I've got an opening. The door is wide open. There's a welcome sign saying, devil, come on in. If you're looking to kill someone, the, the devil is influencing you. For they feared the people. Verse 3. Then Satan entered, then entered Satan into Judas. See? To the point, this was the point. Before, he was just walking around looking for a way in, looking for a cracked window, looking for a broken door. But at this point, Satan had full access to Judas. And that just didn't come by happenstance. There were things that Judas did to give Satan access to him. Satan just can't come in without an invitation. 
How do we give Satan an invitation when we sin? When we don't do what we're supposed to do. When we're not listening to God or listening to the Holy Spirit, we are giving Satan a place to come in. And then we want to blame God for what happens next. Why did you let this happen? God is God saying, me? Me? No, it's, it's me, not God. If Satan is working in anybody's life, it's because they invited him. Now, like I said, he can't, what, when he was in Judas, he can't be anywhere else for the moment. That was the only place he could be. Isn't it funny though, Satan found an inside man, a disciple. Not just any disciple, but the treasurer. Okay? Satan entered Judas, being named, being of the number of the twelve. He was part of the group. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests. He is talking with the same people who want to kill Jesus. He is siding with people who want to commit murder. Okay? And captains, how he might betray them. Yeah, they wanted to kill him, but he wanted to betray him. Same, same evil behind it. Okay? Oh, you guys are going to love this. Okay? Verse, four, verse uh, 5. And they were glad and covenanted to give him what? Now we see what Judas's entrance to the devil was. It was greed. It was covetousness. And it was avarice. Okay? And these were openings that he had in his heart that he never dealt with, that he never put under the blood, that he never washed clean with the word. He just let it fester. How many has ever had a wound that festered? You know, when you get a wound, you want to clean it so it doesn't get what? Infected. Because if it gets infected, it becomes worse, doesn't it? But so many times we let bad attitudes, we let little sins, they fester and they fester and they fester until they make an opening for the devil to come in. But he doesn't, he's not going to get an advantage over us. Okay? All right, let me explain this. There was something in the heart of Judas that Satan could connect with. There was something in Judas's life that it was easy for Satan to side with. Okay? He, uh, he kept giving place to these things, alright? Look at, uh, John 12, verse 3. Look at John 12, verse 3. We see, we see an inkling of what's happening here. John 12 and verse 3. Look at this. Then took Mary a pound of ointment and of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was this not this ointment sold for 300 pence or a, day's wa- or a year's wage and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a what? A thief. 
and had the bag and bear what was therein. Judas, he carried the money for the Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association. He was the treasurer. And every once in a while, he would dip his hand into the treasury to appropriate what was in the treasury for his own use. And just to make this shorter, Jesus said of Judas, he was the devil from the beginning. Then why would you have him with you for three years? That's the compassion and the mercy of God. He was giving him an opportunity. But at the Last Supper, when Satan entered Judas, Jesus looked at him and said, what you do, do quickly. Why? The time for repentance had stopped. He was taken over. It, just, it didn't come in one day. It was a process of giving into these things in our flesh that we allow Satan access And he was upset that this money wasn't given to the poor. Uh, John 12, 13, uh, 21, uh, Jesus said, uh, there's a betrayer here. Uh, John uh, 13, 2, the devil put it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. He put it in his heart. You know, when we meditate on the wrong things. It's going to give the devil access to us. And uh, go with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. James chapter 4. And we're going to see something here. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about covetous. You know who else was covetous in the Bible? Achan. Remember Joshua said, all the gold, all the metal of Jericho is going to go into the treasury. Don't touch it. That was really the tithe of Canaan because Jericho was the first place. That was the, all the treasury of Jericho went into the treasury of the Lord because that was the tithe. Right? But Achan, what, what a name for someone who's covetous. Let me tell you. He sees the gold, he sees the silver, he sees the clothes, and he takes it. Not only does he take it, he buries it in his tent. And when Joshua goes to fight Ai, they, they fight a small amount of people, and they get there, you know what, whooped. And Joshua's going to the Lord saying, Lord, what happened? Joshua didn't know what was done, but what was done affected the whole camp. Our sins have a greater effect than just on us. They're a ripple effect to other people. And, uh, of course, Joshua calls the tribes, the, the family of Achan, they come forth, and Achan says, it's under my tent. Joshua sends men to, sure enough, he gathered all of his stuff and his family, and they were burned. Why? Because he was covetous. He wanted something so bad that he was willing to do anything to get it. And that gave Satan an opportunity to use him and to destroy him. A whole family got destroyed because of one man's covetous and greed. Now, whether or not his family knew that they buried the stuff in the tent, I don't know. He might have done it secretly, probably. But it cost him everything. It cost him everything. James 4, verse 1. What leads... To the unending quarrels and conflicts among you. 
Do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war where? In your body. Did you know that the body you live in has not been born again? The person who lives in your body, they're born again. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus, but the house you live in still needs some renovation. Amen? So our spirit and our bodies contend with each other. Your body wants to do this, but your spirit wants to do this. And the question is, who you value more gets to win the decision. If you value the flesh more, you're going to do what the flesh wants. But if you value the spirit more, you're going to do what the spirit wants. And eventually, your spirit will boss your flesh. Amen. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to flip the tables. He came to flip so that our spirits would rule our bodies, not our bodies rule our spirits. Because under, under, before Jesus, our bodies ruled our spirits. Our spirits didn't have a voice or a choice. Our bodies did what we felt like doing. But Jesus came and flipped it all around. He says, I'm going to put your spirit in control. Woo, glory to God, I like this. That's, your spirit has been waiting to get in the driver's seat for a long time. And now, now when Jesus, when you came to Jesus, you got a license to drive now. You've got your license. Hallelujah. And, and our spirit's got to control our bodies. Say, my spirit needs to control my body. Okay? All right? So the things that wars and stuff like conflicts, they come from fleshly desires. All right? Verse 2, you are jealous and covet. Two other tools that the enemy likes to use, jealousy and covetousness. You covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled, so you murder. So now we got jealous, covet, and murder. Isn't there a commandment that says, thou shalt not covet? Still in effect today, by the way. Because when you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to covet. Amen? Why? Why covet when you got a God that can give you anything? Amen? Why covet when you got a shepherd that's so good, you shall not want? We don't have to covet. Amen? We just have to receive. Okay? So, after murder, you are envious, and you cannot cannot obtain the object of your envy. Wow. So you fight and battle. You fight and battle. Right? That's all fleshly stuff. And the enemy's going, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. The door's opening. He's getting excited because he can find an entrance in. All right? Okay. Verse 3. You ask God for something and do not receive it because you ask why? With wrong motives. Wrong motives. Out of selfishness or with unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your amplified hedonistic desires. I'm just going to spend it on my flesh. I'm going to pamper my flesh. I'm going to please my flesh. 
All the, all the while, you, listen, is it okay to pamper your flesh once in a while? Yes. But is, is it okay to make that the object of everything? No. Sometimes your flesh needs rest. Sometimes your flesh needs a little bit. Amen? Ah, hallelujah. Are, are you getting this? So that, verse 4, you adulteresses, disloyal sinners flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. This is amplified. Do you not know that being the world's friend, that is, loving the things of the world, is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, I'm not an enemy of God. Okay, so this is what was happening with Judas, all right? He was a disciple. He walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He heard the messages, but he never changed his life. He was like the seed that never got planted. He was like the seed that the minute it was sown, Satan would take it away. The minute he heard a message, it was taken away. The minute he saw a miracle, it was taken away. And maybe he even performed some miracles. I don't know. But how many know that we don't have to give Satan an advantage. Now we get to the good part. All right? Number one, to not give Satan an advantage, guard your heart. Go with me to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. We all have hearts, right? But we got to guard our hearts. What do we have to do? Am I going to guard your heart? Can you guard my heart? No, we each got to guard our own hearts. Right? Only you can prevent Satan from coming into you. You know, like Smokey, only you can prevent forest fires. Only you can prevent Satan from getting an advantage over you. Only you. All right? Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, talking to daughters, to attend to my what? Words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them, health to all your flesh. How, say the word is health to all my flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If anybody's going to have a problem in their life, it's going to come from their heart. Something in their heart shouldn't be there or needs to get removed or doesn't honor God. If a man has a problem, it's not, it's, it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? If there's going to be a problem in life, it's, it's a heart problem. A hard heart. You know, you're, you're hard. You, you, you have to have it your way all the time. That's a hard heart. Okay? He's telling us to guard our hearts. Now, how do we do that? He tells us, put away from you from a forward mouth. <laughs> that means a deceitful mouth. Is, didn't Ephesians say, speak the truth in love? Right? Let, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Why? Because your mouth is linked with your heart. Alright? Uh, put away from you a forward mouth and perverse lips. Let your eyes look right on. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. <laughs> and let your eyelids look straight before you. Why? See, what happens? If you're looking at the wrong thing, you'll go in the wrong direction. It's important what you look at. We're supposed to look to who? Jesus. He's the only author and finisher of our faith. We got to look to him. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. 
is the, is the ground about where you're about to step on, is it stable? Is it holy? The direction that you're about to take, is that the direction that God wants you to go? Let every foot be established. You gotta establish the right direction and the right path. How many know there's lots of paths? There's only one way to God, but there's lots of paths in the world. And they'll lead you astray. Ponder the path of your feet. Let your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Isn't the Bible cool? (laughs) Whatever causes you to sin, it just says remove it. (laughs) Now, he's not saying cut off your foot. Just take it up. How many know, if you touch something hot, do you leave your hand there? Oh, this just feels... What do you do? If you, if you don't realize you're touching something hot, or if you're touching something sharp, right? You, you have a quick reflex, a quick reaction. But here's what happens. We don't feel the pain right away when we sin. So, oh, we don't have the quick reaction. So we are now in connected with it. And, and, and what happens is, it, it's a trap. See, but Satan makes it feel good. So we, number one, don't let Satan get an advantage of you. Guard your heart. Make it like Fort Knox. Amen? Make it like the bunker under the White House. Guard your heart. Everybody say, I'm guarding my heart. All right, number two, well, watch your mouth. Your mouth can speak one of two things, death or life. Proverbs 18, 27, death and life is in where? The power of the tongue. Which words are you speaking? Are you speaking death words or are you speaking life words? Our words matter. God listens to our words, doesn't he? You know, he said we're going to be judged for every idle word. Okay? So number two. Watch your mouth. Number three, control or filter your thoughts. Control or filter your thoughts. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 8. What happens if we don't control our thoughts? It's going to become something bigger. Did you know that every sin started as a thought? All the enemy can do to you is give you a thought, an idea, or a suggestion. Hey, why don't you come over here? No. Amen? Did you know that Potiphar's wife was giving Joseph a thought? I mean, she was pretty blatant. Come lie with me, Joseph. I mean, she, she persisted. I mean, she was like Roscoe P. Coltrane after the Duke boys. Every day, Joseph, come lie with me. Every day. And then the one day came when she put everybody out of the house. She was going to seal the deal. Right? And she kept up and Joseph looked and said, no. He got out of there, right? Sometimes, 
Sometimes you got to run from temptation. Amen? Now, Potiphar's wife wasn't ugly. It was a temptation. It was a genuine, legitimate setup that was designed to destroy God's only man that God put in a nation that he was going to need later to save his people. Satan was trying to take an advantage over Joseph. But Joseph, without the Holy Ghost in him, without the resurrection power in him, only had the scriptures of Moses. He said no. If he can do it without the Spirit, how much more can we do it with the Spirit? We've got a greater force to resist the enemy in us called the Holy Ghost. Are you in Philippians 4? Verse 8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on what? These things. When the Bible says think on these things, those are good things to think on. Why? The Bible knows how powerful thoughts are. Thoughts can lead you to good. Thoughts can lead you to bad. How many enjoy the bird life outside? You know, you walk outside, you see the birds chirping, flying. How many know that we can't stop the birds from flying over us? Right? Tweet, tweet. But if a bird wants to make a nest in this hair, there's going to be a fight on. Amen? See, we can't help thoughts that come, but once they come, what do we do with them? You know, David, he was weary and tired, so he didn't go to battle when all the other kings were going to battle. So Satan was working on him. He couldn't sleep. He walked around. He goes out to the porch, innocent, but then he sees a woman bathing. Whoa. He didn't leave. That thought became an adultery. But it started with a thought. All right? So if you want to whoop the devil, how many want to whoop the devil? Control your thoughts. Don't just think on everything. Thoughts, just because you have a bad thought, that is not a sin. But it's what we do with that thought. Do we entertain it? Do we welcome it? Do we make it comfortable? Oh, just have a seat right here, and I'll be right with you. No! Get it out immediately! Spray it! Weed kill it! Whatever you got to do! Don't let the thought reside! Throw it in the trash. Amen? Flush it. How do we control our thoughts? Romans 12, 2. Be renewed in your, in your mind. Brethren, I, 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 I plead with you, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. An unrenewed mind can't prove God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. Your mind has to be renewed to say, hey, yeah, this works. How many know the word works? Amen? Okay? All right? Watch. Guard your heart, watch your mouth, control your thoughts, watch what you look at. Go to Hebrews 12. 
I alluded to this earlier, but let's look at this. Hebrews 12, verse 2. This term, looking, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Wouldn't you want to look at someone who endured the cross? Who gained the victory over the cross? Amen? He overcame the cross? Yeah, he gave his life on the cross. But three days later, what did they hear more about after he rose? The cross or the resurrection? We got to live in resurrection power. Amen? Yeah, we stopped at the cross, we got cleansed by the blood, but we don't hang out at the cross. The cross is done. Amen? There's still power in the cross, yes, but there's power in the resurrection. Jesus didn't, he's not still hanging on the cross anymore. He got off the cross, and he got out of the grave, and he went to work. Amen? And he retired early. Now, now the ball is in our court. Jesus ascended into heaven, but he left us. Why did he leave us? Because there's still work to do. It's unfinished work yet. His work was finished. He set us all up for success, but now we got to do the work. See, I got to do the work. Say, me, Lord. You know, we got to be like Isaiah. Here I am, Lord, send me. How many want to be sent by God? He, He has sent you. He's called you by name. He brings you to a place to hear his word, to be taught the word, and to give you the power that you need to go out there. And and you've got it. Say, I've got it. Say, hot dog, I've got it. Hallelujah. You've got the power. You've got the same thing that was in you. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the name. You've got the word. Amen. You've got good teaching. Amen. Now we got to do something with it. What do we do? Same thing Jesus did. Say, I can do the same thing Jesus did. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right? So you got to watch what you look at. He told Joshua the same thing. Observe the word to do it. He told Joshua to observe the word. Observe the word. All right? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look at verse 15. Another way to let the uh, Satan not get an advantage of you is study the word. Why? The word is your weapon. Study to show who? Let me read that again. Study to show yourself approved. You've got to study for yourself. Studying God's word is eternal preservation. To show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need people that can rightly divide the word of truth, that can take it in context, not out of context. I'll never forget a story that I heard in Bible school. And uh, this church was having revival services. This was way back in the mid-1900s. And all of a sudden, a person from the congregation, they, they kind of came up the aisle, they got onto the, uh, at that time they had a couple steps up front here, they got on the step and they hopped off, right? And then a couple other people started doing that. They started hopping. Well, that church then encountered a church split and those people that were hopping started this first church of the leaping frog. 
True story is it was told to me. Go to Jude, the book of Jude, verse 20. Here is another way to silence the enemy. You know, God's given you a code language. Back in, what was it, World War II, they used the Navajo Indians. They were called code talkers because Nazi Germany couldn't understand what they were saying and they couldn't intercept the message. So they they used these code talkers to transfer vital information, strategic uh, outlines to where, where they needed to be, important information, and they couldn't, the enemy couldn't decipher it. So if the enemy can't decipher it, he can't stop it. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying what? In the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God's given us a code language called praying in tongues. And the enemy doesn't know what you're saying. Only you're, you're talking spirit to spirit. You're talking directly to God. Your mind doesn't even know what's happening. You could be writing a letter and talking in tongues. Hallelujah. I could be doing something and still talking in tongues because it bypasses my mind. It's right out of my spirit. And that's a way... To not let the enemy get an advantage over you. Because that's our goal, not to let them get an advantage over us. And then we got to help other people not to get an advantage over them. Amen? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you're talking to God. It's God's given language. We ought to be tongue talkers. We are tongue talkers. Amen? If you're not a tongue talker, you can be one. It's a free gift. It's, it, it's, it's a power coat. God's, Jesus said you'll be clothed with power. It's a power coat. You like my power coat? It's like Joseph. It's multicolored. Whew. It's a power coat. See, I got a power coat. <laughs> you talk about a power wash. Pray the tongues, pray on tongues over your situation. God will wash it. All right? And then finally, Ooh, we're going to get out early today. Go to Ephesians 6. How to not let the devil gain an advantage over you. Ephesians 6. Verse 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Everybody say his might. Whose might do you have? His might. We got to be strong in it. Strong in the word, strong in the spirit. All right. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. That's the word of God. Put on the whole word. That you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm telling you, we've got an ability to stand against his schemes, against his plots, against his plans, against his actions. We can stand. We are a barrier. We can cause him to stop. We can cause him to shut up and we can cause him to go. God has anointed us to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Didn't you know, isn't it interesting that in the Gospels, when, when a person got a devil cast out, they often got healed too. Same anointing, same power. Say, I, I 
can cast out devils. I can heal the sick. It's not on our own, but it's through Jesus. See, I can do this. See, I've been equipped. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 4, and then I'm done, I think. No. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Notice this next phrase. For the perfecting of the saints. For what? Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. For the perfecting of the saints? For the work of the ministry? I thought that this was the work of the ministry. No. This is training. This is teaching. This is instructing. This is proclaiming. This is declaring. So that you say he means me to do the work of the ministry. God wants us to do the work of the ministry. As you get taught the word, you're supposed to take what you hear and put it into practice in your life because we can do it. Written by the inspired, written in the inspired word of God. The fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints, the equipping, the maturing, the building. Hallelujah. For the work of the ministry. The saints do the work of the ministry. Can you say amen? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You can edify people that I can't. You can reach people that I can't. Amen? But my job is to feed you and to lead you and to send you. Hallelujah. And we love feeding sheep well here. At VCF, sheep, eat well. But we don't want you to be so full that you can't do. Amen? Oh, I just ate ate at church. Yeah, it was such a good spiritual meal. No, get out and do it. Go lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Be the light. Where you are in your sphere of influence. That's what it's all about. Jesus transferred his, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is me. Now you go. He gave us the authority. He gave us the power. We're not supposed to just sit here like frogs on the logs, just coming to church week in, week out, and not doing anything, not putting it into practice, not activating the power that's on the inside of each one of us. We are supposed to be doers of the word. And if you don't know what to do, you got the Holy Spirit, you can ask him. He'll show you what to do, how to do it, where to do it. Amen? How did I know to come to Palmyra? I didn't even know Palmyra existed. No offense, I just didn't know. I mean, if you've never been to somewhere, you don't know. I didn't know anything about Palmyra. I was in New Holland, Pennsylvania, at a meeting, listening to something, because I followed in simple instruction. And it was in that place that I heard about this place. And when I was in that place and I heard about this place, something on the inside of me went, boom, 4th of July, fireworks, boom. And I came, we came here, Right? One of seven candidates. 
and they had a unanimous decision. Everybody, part of making that unanimous decision is no longer here. I'm telling you, we've had a lot of people come, a lot of people go. Now we need more people coming. Amen? But this is how we do it. We, we gotta let not Satan take advantage of our community, of our neighborhood, of our street, of our workplace. Let me tell you something. Those of you that work, some of you are retired, so, but those of you that work, you go into that workplace, you go in there like bold as a lion. Why? What happens wherever you put your foot? Wherever you, wherever the sole of your foot treads, it's yours. We gotta walk like we own it. Yeah, we submit to the authority there. Yeah, we respect the authority. But we're, we're there on, we're not just there to get a paycheck. We're there on kingdom business. We're there to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to his voice. He might say, go ahead and pray for this person. Go ahead and do this. Go ahead and say this. Right? He's got, he knows more than we do. We just got to obey the instruction. Amen? We are all equipped. We, we can not, we can keep the devil at bay. And not let him get an advantage over us. Amen? Our kids don't have to let the devil take advantage over them. Why? They're, if they're born again, they got the same power, same spirit, same authority. Amen? I mean, my goodness, John the Baptist was jumping around in the womb when he saw Jesus. Samuel was learning how to hear the voice of God when he was just a young child. His, he was a miracle baby. His mama believed for him when she couldn't get pregnant and she got tired of her adversary giving her problems and criticizing her. She said, okay, I'm going to God. She went to God and she got it worked out and she had Samuel and other kids. But she, after Samuel was weaned, what did Hannah do? She gave him to the temple. She only saw him once a year. And he became a powerful prophet. The Bible said that he was so powerful that his words did not fall to the ground. Amen? We got a lot to do, folks. Who's ready? Who's willing? And who's able? Stand up with me. I just want you to decide in your heart. Are you going to be someone that will not allow Satan to gain an advantage over you or in your presence wherever you may be? Amen? You know, the disciples never ran from devils. When Jesus sent them out, they said, hey, the devils are subject to us. That's when Jesus said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Don't worry about the devil's subject to you. Just make sure your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They, they didn't even give it a second thought. Jesus already whooped the devil. He is whooped. And to every believer, he is whooped, defeated, beaten. And we got to keep it that way. If he starts to speak, you speak louder. If he starts to move, you stand in front of him and you stand your ground. Having done all to stand, stand. Saying you're not crossing this line. This is a bloodline here. You, you have no permission to cross this line. Just like the destroyer had no permission to enter any house that had the blood on it. We got a, we're a blood-bought church. Amen. We've been bought with the blood of Jesus. He paid a high price. And he wants a return on his investment. So we got we to gotta go out and share the gospel any way that you can. Through song, through art, 
through media, through social media, however, telling people on the street, inviting them over to your house and just say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did for me. Amen. You Listen, there's, you just give them the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. We don't have to convince people. We just have to tell people. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. On the verge of the Declaration of Independence being signed, they declared their freedom. And today, Father, I declare that the people of VCF are free in the name of Jesus. They are free to do the works of Jesus. They are free to be the ambassadors of heaven. They are free to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They are free. They are full. And they are on fire in the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare that you begin to move like you need to move in this place and in this community and in this region in the name of Jesus. I I commission the angels as the gatherers to go out and gather the people in. Bring them in. I'm, I'm calling to the north, the south, the east, and the west in the name of Jesus. And I say, come, come. We are lifting up Jesus in this place. He said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We're lifting them up, Jesus, and we thank you for drawing them in. We thank you, Lord. Strengthening the weak parts. Lord, we got some believers who are struggling with doubt. They're struggling with with other things. They're not sure about things. They're giving Satan place. Father, we want to strengthen them right now in the name of Jesus. Strengthen them with the Holy Spirit in their inner man. In Jesus' name. We stand in the gap for them, Father. And we plead their case before them. And Lord, we stand before you. And like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I. I want you just to declare in your own words your own commitment to God. Of how you're going to carry what he wants you to do, how he wants you to do it. Whatever he, he's got for you, you integrate the gospel in it. Amen? Wherever he, he, he's placed you, you, you bring the gospel to it. You, you live the gospel. You, you show it. Amen? Hallelujah. Can you say Amen. If you agree with that, hallelujah. Say, I'm willing, I'm obedient, I'm able, I'm full, I'm powerful, I'm called, I'm anointed, and I'm ready to give an answer for the hope that's within me in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you're sick in your body today, I want you to touch that. I want you to just lay hands on your body. The the Bible says lay hands on the sick. What's going to happen? They shall recover. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, everyone who's dealing with sickness, I thank you for the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God that breaks that yoke of sickness and it brings healing and life to them right now. In the name of Jesus, that resurrection power that's in every believer, Father, is flowing like a river in the name of Jesus. It's moving mightily. It's washing over them, running through them. Hallelujah. Bringing life and health and strength in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. If you believe, then shout about that.
It's all about how we respond. In the book of Acts, when Peter preached, people were so touched in their heart that they just they just made a decision that they were going to get saved. They, he didn't make an altar call. They made a decision. Amen? And sometimes we just need to make a decision to do it. Put it in the practice. Glory to God. I know this helped you today because it was the Word of God. I didn't... I was going to teach on uh, the difference between a new and old wineskin. So I had two sermons ready this week. God had other plans. And I know what it's like when you have a weak part in your life and you didn't mean to, but you you allowed Satan to get an advantage over you. And you don't like what's next, but I've been there. I'm human too. Doesn't mean I should be operating as a human. I need to be operating like Jesus. Sometimes I have fallen short. But I'm determined that from this moment on, I'm not going to let Satan give me advantage over me. How about you? We're going to stand strong. Strength has no age limit when it comes to God. Moses, when he was 120, climbed Mount Pisgah, didn't need any help, looked over the land because he couldn't go in, didn't use binoculars, and Caleb maintained his strength for 45 years. You talk about, and he maintained his strength being around a bunch of whiny people who whined and complained and murmured every day for 40 years until they were all dead. I'm free now. The last complainer just died. And listen, our country is under attack. Our country is trying to go against the Constitution in many ways. Deception is flourishing. You need some people that will stand up and speak what's right. Amen. And pray for this country. Pray for Joe Biden. Pray for the White House. We don't want to let the devil take an advantage of it. Amen. We we are the we are the withholding force. We are the church of Jesus Christ. All right, I'm done. Amen. Enjoy your fourth. Enjoy your freedom, and have a great and wonderful week.